look, before we get started, mine, I just want to say that I feel like I need to express my happiness at the fact that we're back here together in our spiritual home. Welcome back to the News Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, yo, the one and only Mr. Mike Theobald. Yo, that did sound like you were ejaculating in that like preamble part. Well, Ju- what do you mean, sounded like <laughs> <laughs> and looked like? Because I saw it. Yeah, well, exactly. And, I, and when I look at you, especially after that amount of time, yeah, you know, that is really uncomfortable watching you it, <laughs> do that there with those fingers where you put them as well. It just—it was odd. Nature taking course. You should, if anything, it should look like some sort of wonderful documentary, na- na- nature documentary. Yeah, it was a one-man mating ritual. Yeah. So, but don't make me get into that again because it, it could just happen like that. That's why we've been off. <laughs> <laughs> Learning new tricks. Yeah. This is like no, I want to edge it when you get back on again. Just let me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you've been missing. <laughs> you finally tune back in to listen to two hours homoeroticism. That's what we've been working on to add into the pod, if anything. We've just been working on it solid for three weeks. Four uh, weeks? How long have we been off? I don't know. I don't, uh, yeah, quite a while. It's just shit going on in life. Like, I've joined an a, a old man's football team and like I'm back playing badminton and things and low like family stuff so it's just the hours aren't there at the moment I think um, also you haven't been particularly gripped by anything in the boxing world no someone needs to do something that isn't YouTubers or granddads coming out to fight and then I might be interested but I was thinking this the other day there's a real dearth of like I, I just don't give a shit about the middle ground at the moment I'll always have a love like I was down at York Hall last night I'll always have a love for that side of it and you know the the big mega fights you know, when Joshua Ruiz comes around, that's going to spark an interest. But there's this whole middle ground where there's just not a lot going on that makes it really difficult. You know, like Sky seemed to have subcontracted from her and out to like Matchroom and the, oh, uh, sorry, to MTK and like the World Boxing Super Series and stuff. You know, MTK's golden contract tournament is going to end up on Sky. It used to be Hearn was the sole promoter. And like I'm sure he would say he still is, but he's allowing others to fill some of the void. That void is why it becomes, you know, it's difficult to get that enthused about it and to 
to give up the the rather precious time of a, a Sunday to come and do this. But when it when it all kicks back in a bit in the new season, then I'm sure we'll be more regular. But yeah, when well, um, there's something to well, there's been things to talk about, but it's been a case where we we would have probably done a pod with one or two topics, whereas at least now we have a few and then some from before. But to be honest, I've only got one... Th- th- there's only one topic I really want to talk to you about. <laughs> KSI Logan Paul. Yeah, exactly. This is what I mean. You, you just get me. <laughs> don't, don't send me back to the beginning of this pod again. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, your call was fun last night. It was... Um, shout out to Brooke Stretfield, who I haven't seen in ages. Well... Uh, actually sat next to her for a whole evening and sat and watched some boxing. Um, but yeah, that was that was good fun. Um, um, sorry, um, do you just KSI versus Logan Paul? That's going to be pay per view on Sky. Probably, almost definitely, <laughs> with like Billy Joe Saunders on the undercard. We'll come back to that. I think oh. I've got that as an agenda point. But uh, oh, okay. no, like last night was just again catching up with boxing people and. It always feels good when you can sit around and enjoy a show like last night. And shout out to Dean Richardson, who won his first title, Southern Area title, stopped Nathan Graham with a a killer shot in the second round. Beautiful right hook. Um, Caught Nathan as they were exchanging, basically. Um, But, you know, you get to sit around. and You know, we were down there a few weeks back when we were on the piss. But actually last night, just to be there on duty almost... um, catching up with people and hanging around backstage for a bit. But I went and um, I was doing a corner for Jamie Spate. So some of you know Jamie Spate as um, former English title challengers fought Josh Warrington, uh, Isaac Lowe, people like that. But now he's on the road. He's a journeyman. Um, And so he knows his job. But this is a great story, right, from last night. So Jamie Spate lives down Plymouth Way. um, And he gets a phone call at about one o'clock saying... One of the opponents has like dropped out today. Are you free later on? Like, I'll confirm in the next hour or so. And Jamie's like, Yeah, I can be. Gets a phone call five minutes later saying, No, we do need you. So he's driven up from Plymouth at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus. Now, Jamie's typically around a super feather lightweight, um, somewhere around that. But he was fighting a young lad, Tom Ansell, last night. Um, and Tom's a, a welterweight. So there's a couple of divisions above where he would normally be at. So Jamie's like, fuck it, yeah, I'll fight him. I'll just eat in the car on the way up. <laughs> and so he was saying he was just on his way to the gym. So he's got like his bag with him and stuff. And so he rings up his missus. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to be able to pick you up later. Really sorry, love. I'm just on my way up to London. Um, just going to go and do a few rounds up at York Hall. And uh, he did it. And he took Tom Ansell four rounds. I had the pleasure of doing the corner with Liam Conroy, who's a former journeyman himself and helps other journeymen out in the corner. Um, it's kind of what... It's like a code amongst them. Um, and so it's brilliant just being able to um hear the stuff that goes on in between rounds the little conversations and so jamie comes back after one round i think bear in mind he's typically a lightweight uh super featherweight somewhere around that and he's fighting a couple of weight divisions up and he comes back at the end of round one he was like yeah you can hit actually you can hit a little bit um <clears throat> and so the idea for jamie at that point is just get round the four rounds don't get hurt don't get cut just survive those four rounds. You'll be out again in a couple of weeks' time, a few weeks' time. Um, but yeah, he was quite conscious by the end of that first round, I think, that he was up with a bigger weight division and this lad could bang a bit. Tom Ansell can bang. Um, and so, yeah, then just 
being in that close proximity to the trainer who's trying to make sure, and it's not Jamie's full-time trainer, it's just his trainer for the night. Um, Jamie's at that point, he doesn't really need a trainer now. He just needs someone to turn up and help corner him and give him a bit of advice during the fight. Um, but yeah, it was fascinating. And I say Liam Conroy from Luton, who uh, I think we should get him up here on the podcast one day. He's a real character, Liam. Okay. Um, yeah. He's good fun. But I say he's an ex-journeyman himself and now corners a lot of journeymen is uh but i say he's just he's a real character of bloke so so the philosophy in that corner at the very very beginning of the fight <coughs> is what establish what the fighter can do i mean you've said before that journeymen are sometimes used to get like a, a decent journeyman will gauge the fighter and be able to give feedback to the a a side fighter whatever you'd call yeah them. so i'll give you an example of that in a minute um <laughs> But I'm just trying to understand what the philosophy in that corner is. About Last night, that philosophy was get through four rounds. Don't get hurt. Don't get stopped. Don't get cut. Just get through the four rounds. Because they knew they were up against a bigger lad. Um, and if it wasn't for Jamie at one o'clock taking that phone call and saying, yeah, I'll do it, then Tom Ansell wouldn't have been fighting last night. Like The likes of Jamie, it's a, it's a cliche, but say that he's one of the... the type of people that keeps the sport ticking over is mm. very much true um you know he gets that phone call he's in the car he's up at york hall two and a half hours later getting weighed in um that's mad isn't it that's like macclesfield like that um they can't play tonight unless someone can grab 11 lads together yeah <laughs> it is um, i recognize that as doing probably a disservice to like the the journeyman of the world but yeah but you, it, it, that's what it kind of feels like yeah i mean jamie has achieved what he's achieved. He's a multi-time area champion. Uh, he's fought for the English. And now by his own admission, he's kind of passing on his knowledge and his skills to younger people coming through. It's kind of what he's there for. Um, so he's he's talking all the way through the fight. You can see him talking, going, good shot, that Tom. Good. Yeah, come on, come on. Come in, come in. Come at me, Tom. And like at times when I draw him into a shot, um, and just... You you speak to any journeyman, a lot of what they're there for is to teach the tricks to these young fighters. And they'll pick up the odd win right. here and there as they go along. William Warburton, who's a guy who's had well over 100 fights, um, <clears throat> he's normally down at York Hall uh, on a Saturday night in the away corner. The most... Um, if you spoke to him, you would never know he was a boxer. He's from Manchester. He's the softest spoken, most like gentle man that you'll ever speak to and yet he's the hardest motherfucker going like he doesn't get stopped he doesn't get hurt he doesn't none of that stuff he just gets in does his six rounds last night gets back out gets a train back to manchester job done um you know grand and a half two grand whatever it is in his pocket but being that close got down then in the away corner uh changing room so all of the away corner fighters going one big changing room downstairs at york hall whereas the home fighters are separated into like three in this changing room three in this one and so downstairs is like um a cauldron of like latvians bulgarians a couple of guys from manchester jamie from plymouth and they're all taxi drivers <laughs> the Latvians, the Bulgarians. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. You got Plymouth bin man. If, if anyone needs a taxi, go down to the downstairs changing room, and you can have yeah. one in about forty minutes. <laughs> so now you've got. If you think of the very nature of what these people are, most of them are quite loud, brash. Oh yeah. Um, individuals. So it's hard. It, They've got to be hard. Of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> 
And it's probably fair to say that most of them don't, sh- they don't show what they could do in the ring. Um, because as we've spoken about before, it's counterproductive for them, right? Yes. Um, they throw everything <clears throat> at it and knock someone out. You've got to find a fine balance between, you don't want to lose too many because the board will call you up and say, come on, like you're a bit of a danger to yourself here. You're getting whacked every week. But how many fights did Robin Deakin lose? What a random question. But wasn't he the guy that like lost dozens and dozens of fights? Yeah. Loads of people lose dozens and dozens but of like, fights. Uh, who, well, Why Robin okay. Deacon? Where are you fucking getting Robin I from? Thought, I thought he was the guy that you held up that time as like, he's a journeyman who's like, who was the guy that had, had not won a fight? Do you remember the very, it was probably about two years ago now on the pod? When no, you was, I don't remember like two weeks ago. <laughs> but basically, there was a boxer, and I thought it was him. Obviously, I'm wrong, but um, that you said this guy had he'd never he'd, like from what I remember, he'd lost hundreds of fights. So the question I have is, at what point do the board step in and go? You know, you've you've lost too many. No, now. it happens quite often. So if you ever read through the board notes, the board put up their notes of their regional meetings once per month. And you'll see that, like, Boxer A has been called before the board. And, um, you know, sometimes it'll say they've been given a, a warning and notice, basically. Uh, sometimes it'll say they're now um, only allowed to do up to four rounds, not six. Or what it'll actually say is that they're only allowed to do 12 minutes of boxing. So you could do six by two minutes or four by three minutes. And will um, this be then, will then nature of their losses come into consideration for these? Yeah, absolutely. So if you keep getting wiped out, then the board will... That makes sense. Uh, and also they'll set regulation around you're only allowed to fight up to £147 or something. You, you know, you're not allowed to take a fight above that. So... Unlike some sanctioning bodies, they're there to try and keep the boxes safe. Keep the powder dry for now. We'll come to this. <laughs> <laughs> so they do a, a reasonable job of doing that in that they... Um, it certainly they sounds do, like they have the interest of the fighter at heart. There. They will. And I say they will take your license off you. You know, if, you've, if you're not performing well enough that you're not a danger to yourself, they'll take your license off you. Um, and so that's why... You'll suddenly see an urgency sometimes out of journeymen. And when like that first round's gone, they've realised that other lad in the other corner hasn't got any power about them or they're not really that good. Then the journeyman might go for the win and get the board off their back for a few weeks. <coughs> getting, on to the, um, getting on to the question that I wanted to ask you. So uh, before, before we talk about the ins and outs of the fight, Unless you want to go into the details of the box of, of York Hall last night. No, nah, not at all. Just, uh, again, like, shout out Dan Frost, who's their board inspector. Dan's a sound bloke. Like, people see him at boxing events as a fan. They'll see him there as a, a board inspector. Um, Brooke, who was there, again, you'll see her at shows as a fan. You'll see her there as a reporter. I think every show in the UK she attends. Yeah. yeah like, she's... she gives up so much time. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's incredible, really. Um yeah. I I mean I I, look, I realize I'm no poster boy for for boxing uh, no. event attendance. No. But everyone I've been to, she's always there. Yeah, yeah. I say she's <laughs> um yeah, the amount she dedicates to the sport and uh, trying to do good for people, especially people that she like the ones that she really knows, she'll do everything for. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like a, a trait as a person. 
I bumped into Dion Juma last night. Oh, really? Um, so we saw Dion in the pub, didn't we, after we beat Wadi yeah. Camacho, and I was bollocksed. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I bumped into him last night, and I was like, oh, shit. Um, he comes up to me and goes, you're the most cynical commentator like I've ever... Because <laughs> I've always said I wasn't sure whether Dion was big enough to be a cruiserweight. So I want it formally on record. I take away my doubts. After what he did to Waddy that night, I take away my doubts. Dion is a legit cruiserweight. We'll go with that. Like, So yeah, I don't want to get my head punched in by Dion. To be fair, there's always question marks around a sportsman until he proves everyone wrong. Yeah, so I don't think I've said anything untoward about Dion. It's not being insulting. It's just no. I wasn't sure whether he was big enough to be a cruiserweight. Having said that, I don't think he's wrong by being outraged because every sportsman wanting to go up the ladder needs to believe in themselves 100%. And part of that would be, why don't you believe in me as well? So, yeah, you're both, you're both right. <laughs> and I, I love Dion Juma's confidence as a man. Like, he's got that aura about him. Um, and I just said to him, like, I had a bit of a laugh him. About it. And then I said to him, Ma, are you like all recovered from the other week? He went, Recovered from what? It's <laughs> <was> like, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, change of subject. Yeah. <laughs> Just see the Liverpool score. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Larice can't do a fucking Cruyff turn, can he? <laughs> um, okay. Which he can't. Let's clarify that. Larice cannot do a Cruyff turn <sighs> on his own goal line. Why not? And that's the, that's the biggest problem facing goal, goalkeepers today. That's what we want to see. Yeah, I mean, let's see more of that, shall we? No, no, you um, lunatic. So, the fur- Furies fight. You've been absolute, like, I assume when you picked up the agenda just then, you were picking it up for something that I'd put on the agenda. You've nope. just, it's the only reason you've called me over tonight. It's just to talk about Fury, isn't it? Yeah. Here we go. I mean, I've already spoken to Claire. She's she's actually relieved you of any family duties for the next four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Fury special coming up. Whereas um, you were relieving yourself for four hours thinking about... <laughs> I explained to what I was going to do. She said, that's understandable. You haven't seen each other for a long time. Yeah. I said, I it's not natural, but, you know, the stuff you're doing to yourself. <laughs> Battery powered. But she said, I can do it to you at the end of the pod as well. So... <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Um, right, so first question. Uh, to begin with, you said this fight was a load of shit. I yeah, mean, I can't remember you exactly. So it's a pointless fight. Yeah. Judging by what happened to Fury in the fight, how much more pointless <laughs> did it end up being? Because now it seems there was a massive cost to bear. From having this pointless fight. So we're going back to Fury Wilding. Valen, yeah. The one where he gets that horrific cut over his eye. two, I think, weren't there? Yeah, 47 (laughs) stitches or something. More than that. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, Which, beforehand, I think we'd sat on here and I'd said, it's a pointless fight. Now, I thoroughly believe Tyson Fury needs to be motivated to perform at his best in a fight. Mm, hard to argue in fact I, I agree with that wholeheartedly and I don't think yeah. a fight against Zotto Walin will motivate him to be I don't know whether it's train at his best or turn up at his best or a combination of the two focus just general focus yeah. he ends up he's flat footed worrying about his walking or ring walk rather or he worries about wearing Mexican attire yeah. because now the- it may well be that he can get away with that against Pianetta and Sefer Seferi Against Otto Valin, Otto Valin turned up and fair play to him was better than most of us assumed. And you see these fucking commentator types um, that 
are so wise after the event that are like, oh, just because people didn't know his name, they assumed he was shit. Well, I saw him in a 2011 uh, European... They didn't. Fuck off. Fuck off. No one fucking saw him in that. We all assumed he was shit. Deal with that. Deal with that. And he was better than we were going to give him credit for. But that's Deal old, with that. That was the old Hearn thing, wasn't it? When Ruiz, like, everyone thought it was a bum. I knew it was a fuck. Yeah, yeah. putting on. Right, okay. Yeah. Would you just, would just you so say, happened you did. Well done. Would you have said the same thing about Matt Legg in like 2000 exactly. or whatever it was when he was fighting Joshua and lasted 40 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> so, nah, I'm not having any of that at all. And I think it's a mixture of a poor performance by Fury, a poorly motivated Fury, and then uh, a, a good performance by Wallin that none of us expected. Nobody, no one, not having it. Um, and so credit to Wallin for doing it, but it, it just looks stupid on behalf of all of those involved in the Fury team. That you've now, I think they announced last night, Wilder um, Ortiz, Granddad Ortiz in November. Um, right which if they're still talking then about February then that's also a pointless fight Wilder Ortiz just skip over it that's so my next question then was will this given given well two things how long the cut will take to heal sufficiently for Fury to be able to get in the ring and properly spar so he's back in the gym but I don't think he's sparring yeah okay so yeah. yeah yeah but and now given that Wilder's fighting Ortiz surely that date has to move back yeah, you would think so. What, what, what I, date in November is he fighting? I Ortiz? can't remember. Can't remember. But you know, if it's if it's November, if it's late November, then what he's got? He's got to basically finish the fight and get straight into camp again, presumably. Yeah. And that's assuming it's not a really hard fight and take something out of him, which Ortiz, based on what we saw last time, can give him that really hard fight. Like I'm not worried about Ortiz aging between that last fight and this fight because he'd aged between birth and that first fight. He'd aged about 60 fucking natural <laughs> years. So How old is he? At least 80. At least 80. <laughs> He's like a tree. You'd have to cut him through the middle and count the rings to work out the true age of Ortiz. But I don't know. I don't know. His fucking... His birth certificate signed by Socrates. <laughs> um... It's getting more and more exaggerated as you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think there's a worry that he's aged because he's not done anything in that meantime other than fucking free bus journeys and stuff like that. So um, it could still be a hard fight for Wilder. That, that February fight's not happening. Yeah, Come it's on, hard let's to be see honest. it. Yeah. There's so much that says it won't happen. Well... The only thing that says it does was Fury on a talk show in America, <laughs> which we know Fury is prone yeah. to just... I don't even think he's like spouting shit. I think he's just... He likes to sit and talk and, and say things to maybe wind people up. Or and, jump the gun. Like yeah. people are saying, we reckon it could probably take fight, place on November, uh, February the 22nd, yeah. but we're not going to announce it yet. And then two minutes later, he's sat on live TV and the person's like, damn it, why did I give him that information? But it hypes people as well. I, uh, Fury's great at that. Yeah. You remembered the date for it. You don't know the date for Ortiz Wilder, but you know the potential date for a fight that isn't agreed to, seemingly, yeah. for Fury Wilder. So, how long does a cut like that take to heal? <sighs> Properly? Probably never. Because they were Probably saying about never. scar tissue. Yeah, so last night, right, doing this corner for Jamie Spate, he gets caught with a shot in the second or third, I think it was the third. No, it's the second. And um, I'm in the corner and Liam 
like urgently says to me, get the, the iron ready, the little metal iron. Um, because you can see the eye starting to come up and Jamie comes back, sits down and we get the iron on it like as soon as possible, forcing the eye down. Ooh. It's not cut, but Jamie was saying, and he was just sat with his eyes closed whilst the iron was getting pressed into his eye. Um, he was like, oh no, he said, it's just scar tissue. It's like, it, it's an old cut. It's not going to open up, but it's, you know, if I get hit there, it swells up quite easily. And given Jamie fights quite frequently, and Fury yeah. doesn't, so there is that advantage for Fury, of course. But that was a horrific cut. It, yeah, the, the level of that cut is, is bad. That fight gets stopped if Fury is not Fury. That fight gets stopped in a British ring. Do you think it's the location rather than... The person involved. The there. location, the promoter, the fighter involved. I think all three of those things are um, handy for them. And if it gets stopped, Fury loses. It's not a matter of going yeah. to the cards. Fury loses because it was done by a punch. Yeah. Which you add all of this together. And that, that's a career-shortening cut, potentially. Not even potentially, probably. Yeah. Um, the, the madness of that fight doesn't get any... Do you think the fact, uh, if, if there's any silver lining to be had, maybe this focuses him go right, I best get these big fights in now. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, I think you might be right. that Let's get the big fights done, dusted, get out. Yeah. If he had four more fights in his career and they were all good big ones, I'm Wilder, cool with that. Wilder, Wilder R- Joshua. Ruiz, because obviously Ruiz would be the... Unified heavyweight champion. Even if Ruiz is, I still want to see the Joshua fight. Like, that's cool. Do that at Wembley. Um, And, you know, take on one of the young guns. Uh, Depending on what the results of these are. But if he came out of that undefeated, say... Wilder, 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 Joshua. And then, if he's got got belts from those exchanges, just keep fighting until he loses. Yeah. No, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But... What I don't want to see is more Otto Rollins, Sefer Seferis... Because or Tom Schwartz is... He doesn't yeah. do anything for the legacy. Probably does something for his bank balance. So, okay, fair enough. Um, but, but, but all he does, 50% of his... You know, he might hype things up, but 50% of the time he just tells us how much he doesn't need the money. And he gives it all to charity, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, there are some fucking wealthy charities out yeah, there. There you. are some wealthy homeless people who now probably have more money than Tyson Fury. Yeah. You know, if that's if that's Well, that's all he case. does it for. So I wouldn't say he's lying about <laughs> right enough so you got anything to say about Fury I suspect that's a no I didn't have anything to say about Fury in the first place right, I you didn't said realize a, we were you, talking look, about you've said enough about Fury right <laughs> please decision to get in on this please let's get on I mean I, I'm, I'm assuming you want to go through what next for uh, to Otto Valin but I'm not I'm going to stop no I want to go through Huey Fury <laughs> I want to go through Tommy Fury <laughs> sounds a bit wrong doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> only in uh Every single way possible. We were discussing Huey Fury last night. Me and a couple of others. Who's his best win? Sam Sexton Parker, was what Joe we Parker. <laughs> you still cry about that, didn't you? <laughs> it was a ridiculous decision, but yeah. Uh, we were saying, if he wasn't Tyson's cousin, I don't think he would have a matchroom contract. Because he's not very interesting to watch in the ring. No. No, he's, he's definitely not, not that. particularly engaging outside. He's a nice enough bloke, but he's not engaging in a, a media sense. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't actually got any real wins aside from Sam Sexton for the British. 
Which is a horrific fight for the British title, let's be frank. Who who had Fury, uh, uh, Tyson, beaten... What's the biggest name before Klitschko? Was it Chisora? Chisora or Steve Cunningham, but he was a, a cruiserweight, essentially, that had gone up to heavyweight. He was the one that floored him in Madison Square Garden. Bef- this is before Chisora? Pre- no, no, that was... Because he had two fights with Chisora, right? Yeah, that was probably in the middle. before the second, but I'm not saying I have any confidence. Right, okay. So, so I guess... When Fury originally fights Chisora, that's kind of well, his... the first one? Yeah, that's kind of his, like... <laughs> that was when Chisora turned up in his Doughboy car. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Channel 5, man. That was his first big... So that was him announcing himself on the stage, was it? Yeah. As in, boom, wow, okay, yeah. this guy. And then... But fight... he wasn't very good that night. Not really. But then he, I didn't think he was particularly good in the second fight against Chisora because he was, he was efficient. He was brilliant at what he needed to do. He stopped Chisora. People don't stop Chisora. Yeah, yeah, he suppose, made yeah. Chisora get pulled out of that fight because <laughs> he was so busted up. It was just like ramrod, wasn't it? Wallop. Yeah, it was like, yeah, well, true, yeah. you know, when you see like, and I'm not saying he is a midget, but when you see like the midget and the big guy in a cartoon of like hold him off at distance and then a little guy just swinging and can't quite reach. Yeah, I, I It think- was that. I'll retract what I said because you actually, actually thinking about it, when you see just how ferocious Chisora can be. Yes. And it, when he gets in amongst them, there's no reason to think. If he'd have beaten Tyson that night, it would have been like Del Boy's back kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And that was still Don Charles Chisora. That, you know, that wasn't before they'd all gone off the, the rails for a little while. That was a good Chisora that night. And it was a, <laughs> a far better fury. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... So those three fights, that that feels like then, so let's take Chisora, Cunningham, Chisora. Those three fights, them could feel like the three fights that Huey's lost, which is Joe Parker. Um, what was his last fight? There was Pulev and there was Povetkin. That's it. Thank <laughs> you. So those three fights that he's... And they're, they're kind of like he's failed, failed, failed. Yeah, and he's... All like all gatekeeper fights. He's never been like turned over. So the Parker fight, you think you won it? Yeah. I still never watched it, so I don't know. The the Pulev fight, he got the horrible cut, which ruined him fairly early on. And I think had that cut not happened, you're looking at a different fight. But the cut did happen, and he lost. No issue. Povetkin, he just lost. Yeah, I, against Joe Parker, if I, I I can't say it with. Any, if you know, gun to the head, I can see why Parker won that fight, you know. But even Parker didn't expect to win when they said, and your winner by well, I, th- I think it was unanimous decision, maybe, uh, maybe split decision. That's when Parker just rolls his eyes on the camera's like, Oh, I've lost this one, yeah, nice one. Yeah. They announce it, and he goes, What? Because Parker was full of aggression. Fury was doing Huey. This is Huey was doing what we've spoken about before, which is kind of like a discounted Tyson Fury, yeah. constantly backing off, but not precision scoring punches. It was kind of like just looked like someone who's a bit light on weaponry. So I can I can see why Parker won it. Um, and going back to the just two fights that you just described there, I, what I'm getting at, I guess, is you mentioned about the cut you could put that down to bad luck. Parker, I don't think you can put it down to bad luck because it was his tech, 
it was his style that defeated him in the end. Yeah, and it seems every six months we're told that they've got to the bottom of the health issues and now he's going to be bigger and stronger and we're not going to see the issues that we've had in the past. And I, I, I get the feeling that Huey Fury will be 37 years old and Sky will still be telling us, you know, he's just a young man, he's still got this bright future ahead of him. Those losses don't really count because they're just learning fights. Okay, can you, in a nutshell, tell us why Tyson is good and Huey is not? Well, I'm not saying Huey isn't good. But he isn't, is he? In the grand scheme... No, you can't say that. You can't say Huey Fury isn't good. Right, would you put him in your top 10 heavyweights? No, but that doesn't mean he's not good. Fuck about. <laughs> I'm using good, it might be a subjective word, but I'm using good as in like... Either top- you're in the top 10 and you're good, everyone else is bad. <laughs> if you're 11th in the world, you're bad. Okay, all right, fine. Why is Tyson elite and Huey is not? No, he's bad. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not. Um, he lacks... Look, what Tyson did to Derek Storm in that second fight, what he did to um, Tom Schwartz, yeah. there is that ability to switch and sit down on punches and even if it's in the matador role damage your opponent i've never seen that out of huey yeah that's what he tried to do with parker but failed yeah, miserably. but it's almost like he pulls every punch it's like he's not um not punching through where he's aiming he's getting 80% of the way there and pulling his arm back yeah. and then ready to go on the defence He never again. looks like he hurts anyone, does he? No, no, that's what I mean. And It's almost like his first instinct is to defend, always. Yeah. Whereas for Fury, you feel like his first instinct is to defend unless he's on top, in which case his, he's able to switch that instinct between attack and defence. Or if, like against Otto Wallin... He kind of goes, "Whoa, shit! I could lose here." I've got, and you, what you notice towards the end of that fight is he tried and failed to go for the knockout. Was swinging wildly at points. So he, he, yeah, you're right. He can switch it, can't he? Yeah. Whereas I've never seen Huey like against Povetkin. He didn't go, "Jesus Christ, I'm four rounds down or whatever with two rounds to go. I'd better go for the knockout." It was still like almost an Easy. exhibition. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Like. That's almost Why like were you trying to swing four and- nil down and bringing on two more defenders? Like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Odd. I feel for him. Do I feel for him? No, I'm disappointed because I'd like to see. Kind of, it'd be great if you had someone who was the same sort of level as Tyson turn up as well. Like, wow. Of course it would. Yeah, more the more the merrier kind of thing. Of course it would. And there's a, a self-made narrative there. I know they're cousins, but look, there's this falling out that's clearly happened behind the scenes has never come out about why Tyson isn't with Peter Fury anymore because they always seem like that close-knit family, yeah. community, all that stuff that all fell apart after this drugs fallout. So it's a self-made narrative that whether or not it would ever happen is almost irrelevant. But if Huey was at the same level as Tyson, there would be a pressure to see those two fight. And it's not like Vladimir and Vitaly where you can't because you're brothers. We all accept that. You two are cousins. You've probably fought fucking dozens of times, thousands of times. Like, not just sparring, but probably gone for each other. Like, there's no real reason you couldn't fight. They wouldn't, though, would they? They'd say they didn't want to. Why not? He said before, hasn't he? Yeah, but then they all fell out. And if the money was right, I bet you they would. 
I reckon. But I don't think the money will ever yeah. be right because yeah, I don't no, think exactly Huey's right. ever going to make it to that level. He hasn't got the personality of Tyson. He hasn't got the skill set of Tyson. He hasn't got the, the star power of Tyson. God, if only he could have just, just beat Parker. That Nick that belt against yeah. Parker. Because actually I think he'd be a handful for Anthony Joshua, Huey Fury. Um, I don't think he'd beat him. No. But I think he'd, he'd at least give him a... He would have been difficult for him. Oh, it would have been interesting. He would have As been it, a. I think he would have been a, a harder fight for Joshua than Parker was. Do you think we're gonna see like Huey basically do what Chisora's done, always failing at that last yes. hurdle to yeah. get that world like world title level? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Okay, finally we'll get off of Fury. Oh God, you love talking about him. You love getting on Fury. <laughs> One day next on the agenda, uh, Spence Porter. Unless you want to talk about Raw Albert Horn Friday. That's your two choices. Not Choose really. your own adventure. Not really. Uh, oh, let's do Friday. So Right. Um, you have chosen Royal Albert Hall Friday. <laughs> what the hell was that? That was your Choose Your Own Adventure. The audio version. The audio version. You can do it on uh, Alexa. Can you? Alexa, play Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> let's see if that's triggered anyone. Someone, someone's going, dickheads. <laughs> Especially if they're listening through their their device, that really does that work? That would be yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, let's go Royal Albert Hall Friday. Um, Denzel Bentley standout performance, one round demolition job of uh, Casey Ball. Denzel Bentley, who it's hard um, to talk about without talking about Linus Eudofia because we're fans and friends of Linus. Uh, They're both in the same weight division. Um, they're on different paths, it seems, at the moment. And that would be an incredible fight for a British title, perhaps, down the line. Um, Denzel and Linus. So, I don't think you'll see it before that. I think Linus is scheduled for the English title, which uh, Jack Cullen's vacated. Um, and, yeah, Denzel is brewing beautifully in the Frank Warren stable. Like... He's on these undercards. He's not a headline fighter yet by any means, but the style of which he's wiping people out will make him a headline fighter if he carries on like that. He he did exactly what you want to see out of a fighter who's getting their opportunity to show what they can do in front of a bigger audience. He just fucking battered ball. Um, brilliant. Lovely to see. Uh, moving on. Nicola Adams. I turned it off because it was shit. Um... Brutal. Um, yeah. Uh. Alexa, play Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. <laughs> Twat. <laughs> uh, but by all accounts, I think she got a bit of a gift decision to retain her world title that she got via email. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, what else was there? Daniel Dubois against Tete. Tete? Like, I literally got no idea where they dug this motherfucker up from. But Isn't that like French for head? I quite like that. Is it? T-E-T. Yeah, but... Here's a T-E-T-T-E-H. Oh. Ebenezer Tete. When was the last time you ever heard someone called Ebenezer? About 1920, when this motherfucker was born by the looks of it. He looked like Ortiz's dad. It was unbelievable. Who apparently knew Socrates. Yeah, yeah. 
This guy was mates with Mary and Joseph. Like, he was around their house for dinner while she was getting banged up by nobody, apparently, upstairs. Um, What's that noise up there? Ebenezer, come back down. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. No, nah, Ebenezer's in the toilet. All <laughs> oh, right, okay, well, crack on then. Yeah, so Ebenezer Tete, who... Fighting for a Commonwealth title. Like, <sighs> this shit's unbelievable. I am a massive fan of Daniel Dubois. Um, and actually, this isn't really a... Cri- it's a criticism of it being the main event of a Royal Albert Hall show. That's where my criticism lies in it. Because I tweeted this the other day. With Daniel Dubois, he's the only fighter at the moment. If he carries on with this uh, method, routine, trajectory that he's on, that is on course to win every recognised title that I can find. That I'd seen there's a Twitter thread about it. So area title, English title, British title, Commonwealth title. If he goes on against the European and the world title, I think he's the only fighter to have done that. Oh. Yeah, pretty cool stat, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, A, that's how you build a real good monster because he's fucking wiping people out along the way. You, when you go back and if he gets to that point where he's fighting for a world title and they want to put together a highlight reel knockout clip of when he's won each of those individual titles, they will be they will be able to do so quite easily. The only person he didn't stop in his career is Kevin Johnson. Um, so, look, it's not a criticism of Daniel Dubois. He came off that Nathan Gorman fight where he knocked out Gorman. Brilliant performance. But it is a criticism of getting Tete in the away corner for that, (coughs) for a Commonwealth title. Like, how have you got away with that? That is an absolute shambles. So in that scenario, you can't really blame Dubois, though, can you? No, 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 I'm not blaming Dubois at all. The guy's like, what is he, 21, 22 years old. And what's brilliant about what they've done with him is that you can speed up or slow down his career based upon the narrative of picking up all of the belts. So... Now they can slow it back down a bit, perhaps, yeah. and go back to the British title and start defending that against some some heavyweight, I don't know, David Price or something. Someone along those lines. And you can slow him back down. Um, and it was a bit of a slowdown last, uh, on Friday night against Tete because it was an atrocious opponent. What, the Commonwealth title? Was that vacant or something? Yes. Because that... Because... Uh, uh, Joe didn't... Joyce has won it before. Dave Allen fought for that a little while ago, didn't he? Did, he did, he fought Lenroy Thomas. And did, so Lenroy Thomas had it, and then who did he lose it to? He, he lost it to Joe it? Joyce. Right, and then Joe Joyce probably... He didn't... vacated it, and I don't know if he's been fought for since. Why? Uh, because you'd have to end up fighting the likes of Tete, which there's no point in doing if you're Joe or Joyce. Dubois. Nah, that's... <sighs> I mean, yeah, I'm talking shit because that was I want happen. to see it. You want to see it. It would be cool. There's one man out there, Sam Jones, who wants to see it. Sam Jones. <laughs> I'm a little falling out with him. He called me Got Guam, which is the shittest insult I think I've ever seen. Like, I'm not of Oriental origin, unlike Got Guam. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I can't see it, mate. <laughs> um. Cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd like to look like Gokwan. He looks about ten years younger than I do. Do, do, do you remember the? Um, I don't know. If it, do you remember the old? Um, I think it was the Fast Show. It might be Harry Enfield and Friends. Their mock-up of Gokwan. No, guy- I don't. But this shows you how relevant Gokwan is to today's 
audience. <laughs> it was how to dress. That's a show that's been on for 10 years. That was what he got famous for. Yeah. What not How to, to look wear. good naked, wasn't it? I can't remember, but it got... Just women would turn up and get naked for it. It was all right, because Gok Wan is gay, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And then the far show version of it was just him pretending all along <laughs> and just getting women naked because... <laughs> Because he loved doing it. Um, so, oh, I'll explain this um, spat for me then. So, why did he throw this insult at you? I think I insulted him first. He's very well dressed, to be fair. <laughs> got Guan. It's not really an insult, if anything. No, I'll take Got Guan all day long. Okay. Um, so, why did he give you this compliment? Who was it? Cody Davis was fighting Zach Chelly. Cody Davis, who is another one who, when I say manage, you're going to have to imagine the size of the air quotes that I'm going to put over this because <laughs> Sam Jones isn't a manager. He doesn't hold a British boxing license, but is the, the... And all I've ever been is nice about Sam Jones and I'll continue to be about the good stuff that he does. Cool. He's the one who's the mouthpiece for Joe Joyce. Right. Um, I think I tweeted something at the time about... Um, uh <laughs> I'm not sure who I want to win. If Zach Chelly does, then we have to hear from Zach Chelly Sr. Ah. If Cody Davis does, we have to hear from Sam Jones. I'd rather it was a draw. And we hope, hopefully a this. draw means neither, not both. Um, whether Sam searches for his own name on Twitter or not, I don't know. Um, but anyway, like... Uh, I get this tweet from him about, oh, you're such a hater or whatever. It's like, I'm not. Like, I, the reason being for that, Cody Davis is a perfectly good talker in his own right. Cody Davis is a good character in his own right. I would like to hear from Cody Davis. What I don't need to hear from is Cody Davis alongside Sam Jones. What I do need to hear from is Joe Joyce alongside Sam Jones because he can be the personality that fills the void that Joe Joyce doesn't have. That's not criticism of Joe Joyce the boxer. I'm a big fan of that. He doesn't have a, a character that comes over on TV. Cody Davis does, so I don't need Sam Jones in that scenario. Um, but anyway, yeah, that went on, and then it was uh, apparently like got Guan. So whatever, fuck it. Um, <laughs> that went on, and apparently I looked like got Guan. Yeah. But, you know, he was like, oh, the haters, haters, haters. And then people have been digging up over the last few days, which just highly amused me. Um, some pictures of old tweets from before um, Sam Jones became, like, relatively well-known for what he does now. They're fucking brilliant. Um, you know, when you're talking about the, the hater element of life. Um, it's stuff that he'd tweeted in the past to bell you about being a bellend. Um, <coughs> Original, yeah. Described Amir Khan as having a poppadom chin. Oh, Ooh. yeah, nice one, Sam. Um, you know what? that doesn't even make sense. No, but you know what? I think a poppadom chin. If I said you've got a poppadom chin, then I think we can all ascertain that what I mean is that it would break easily if hit. <sighs> yeah. But to say that about one of the most prominent. Asian athletes of the last 20 years to come out of the UK, if not the most prominent Asian athlete over the last 20 years, alongside maybe like Monty Panasar or someone like that, to describe them as having a poppadom chin is, if not racist... Which it is. Highly misguided. But we'll go with racist. I'm cool with that. Um, yeah. Just a stupid fucking comment, but... 
because you said age. Oh, here it is, right? Amir Khan, you've still got Danny Swift Garcia problems. Rematch at 147. Earn your shot at the best ever, you delusional poppadom chinned moron. And I'm apparently a hater for saying that I don't want to see an interview with, with Sam a Jones. A guy who but to call someone calls a, someone... To call, a, call an Olympic silver medalist and a guy who is a multi-time world champion a uh, delusional poppadon chinned moron. That was December, 20, uh, December 15th, 2014. Call him a moron. Oh, the irony. Here we go. May 5th, 2014. Sam Jones again. I still think Special K Brook would take Amir Khan apart. Soon as Brook hit Khan's poppadom of a chin, it would be lights out. Nice one. Um, Interesting. To Jusab Sajad. He's going to get that poppadom of a chin to clean. There's a common theme here, isn't there? Amit yeah, he talks Chan, about chins. Amit Khan cheating on your gorgeous wife. I hope Kalazzo takes that poppadom of a chin clean off you mug. <laughs> uh, well, and then there was a photo of him alongside Khan going like, best of luck to Amir in this fight. So anyway, look, oh, I ain't got anything personal against him. I ain't got anything personal against uh, Sam Jones. I, just I mean, I don't like the fact that he's clearly racist or has... Or, 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 ha, no, sorry. He clearly produces racist tweets and yeah. requires further education. I don't, I don't like that, but you know, I don't know him. So. Actually, no, I do, take, I do have a personal issue with him based on that, I suppose. Yeah. I do think he's... Um, yeah. Well, he's small-minded. At the very least, he's individual. a small-minded idiot. <laughs> yeah. At the most, he's a racist. You yeah. pick and choose between those two... Yeah. Spectrum elements, but you don't have to be racist to say something racist. But the amount of the frequency with which he's produced to that keep associating because okay, makes me think that he probably is. If he called me a poppadom chinned moron rather than Gokwan, then okay, you've called me it a you know thirty six year old white dude. You know what? He, but he wouldn't. But he wouldn't because there's no association between me as a white dude yeah. and a well, poppadom. That's why I say it doesn't make sense. Because Other than I had one the, Friday night. The, t- the term is glass-chinned, isn't it? Yes. So I would be a glass-jawed yeah. moron, which I'll take. Again, I'm cool with that. To call the most prominent Asian athlete of the most of the last twenty years a poppadom-chinned moron is fucking stupid. And I don't care that it's five years ago. Like, you were still an adult. Yeah. You weren't a child. Yeah, and if anything, wasn't one like Amir Khan was probably more prominent back then, wasn't he? I, I realise he's not no, absolutely know, he's not exactly hidden now, but yeah. Um so yeah, look, I, again, <laughs> I don't have an issue with what Sam Jones does for Joe Joyce. I actually I've spoken on here previously and I stand by it. I think he does a very good job for Joe Joyce in promoting a man that needs promoting because self-promotion isn't his thing boxing is cool long-time advocate of someone doing that for him sam jones does a good job he's also you know (laughs) it gives me a good opportunity to highlight the other side of sam jones um let's talk about are you finished about i forgot else happened on that friday night one to be honest so yeah move on let's move on to spence versus porter what a fight wbc ibf welterweight titles so I guess we're all familiar with both of these two, mostly because of their fights with Kell Brook. So Kell Brook beat um, Porter for the IBF title out in America. Um, that's when he won his world title, was mm. beating Sean Porter, who at the time was perceived as being this mini Tyson, like a little 
um, tucked up bulldoze of a man or come forward and take your clip. I didn't your... see that fight. I saw the Spence fight. <coughs> okay, so yeah. So Porter lost to Brook on points. Spence um, smashed Brook. Took smashed Brook apart, him. didn't he? Yeah, Brook was doing okay in the fight, but he got beaten up by the end of the yeah. fight. I think that's probably the best way that we can... We can do credit to what Brook did that night. Um, yeah. He broke the other eye socket that yeah, Golovkin that was, left that behind. Was rattling through my mind just then, yeah. Yeah, so... It was like it was like Brook might have been delivering... Let's put a computer game heads on. Might, he might have been delivering 20 for every punch that he was getting receiving, but every punch he was receiving was doing 100 damage. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, this isn't sustainable. Your energy bar is depleting too quickly. Yeah, that's fair. Um... So what a fight, man. This was brilliant. Brilliant fight. I watched it this morning. I didn't stay up for it. I watched it this morning. Um, just... <sighs> Porter's still the same Porter that comes forward in a very small target area. So he's quite a short welterweight. Um, and makes himself small, if that makes sense. Um so not a lot to hit, but he comes forward and he was just, he was looking to shut that distance between the two of them. Spence was trying to make that distance wider. Um, and so Porter, every time he would get in, would just unload, bang, bang. The right hand that kept catching Spence clean. We've not seen Spence hit like that. Um, but he proved he's got a chin. He's proved that he can take a shot now. Um, it ended as a split decision victory. I think it was a majority, I can't remember, for Spence. I didn't score it round by round, but when you sat watching the fight, like I had it down, um, I had it as a draw, I think, in my head. But again, I didn't sit with a bit of paper and um, and take down points. But it's just, when Spence dropped Porter in round 11, he caught him this beautiful, beautiful left hand, bang on the chin, and... It was a kind of shot where it takes half a second for Porter to realise he's been hit like he's been hit. And then you see his head go, like rotate around, and then he hits the floor. And he's up. Like, it doesn't seem to affect him too badly. Wow. But hell of a shot. Hell of a shot. But Porter is one tough man. Um, but yeah, just such a good... I can't do it justice sat here doing it. Like, if you get the time, go back and watch all 36 minutes of it. Because although the, the rounds have a similar pattern throughout, there's always variables that go on. Um, Porter's trying to get into the body of Spence. Spence, as much as he's got that advantage in range, is actually as well, he's happy to work on the inside when Porter gets there. So you end up with some real good... You know when two boxers are in close, you often see the referee have to separate. Yeah. You don't really get that too much. They're able to both work on the inside. Ah, it's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> like real, one of those ones that gives you a bit of enthusiasm back about where we are. You're selling it to me, I must admit. Yeah, real good fight. Um, so, what next, I guess? I guess is the question for both where fighters. Where do we go from here? Yeah, no. always the question. Yeah, so... Is, so is that like a... That's, that's a peak fight for both of them, right? As in like a big fight. Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious option of do it again because no one's going to object if you went and did it again. They're both PVC fighters. This is the problem. You've got 
Top rank have Terence Crawford, who's got the WBO. So Terence Crawford, who became undisputed at 140 pounds to move up to 147, has got the uh, the 147 title um, with the WBO, but he's on top rank. Him versus Spence is the fight of the welterweight division. The other world title holder is Manny Pacquiao, who's a PBC fighter. So Manny Pacquiao versus Errol Spence. When you see what Porter did, when he was able to get inside of Spence, close that distance and let his hands go quickly, you can see how Pacquiao might be able to impose his political power um, <laughs> upon Spence. You know, the... Excel power. The injection of political power that he's had into his career in these latter days. Is he still a Filipino senator? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about, his injection of political power. What are you on about? I just, I'd forgotten that he was a, he was a senator. I didn't yeah. think, I didn't think you were talking about PDs or anything. No. Of course Whoa. you wouldn't. I mean, we only have to go back to about two podcasts ago where you out and out just... <laughs> yeah, but... Two podcasts ago, it was about six months. So yeah, that's all right. Enough. You can change your mind since then. Um, I mean, tweet, you, tweets you power five years ago can be irrelevant now. So, yeah, I mean, I want to see Spence versus Pacquiao. I'm cool with that. Two Southpaws going at it. I'd like to see what Pacquiao could do on the inside against Spence. Um, fuck it. If he's cheating, he's cheating. Whatever. Like, we all turn a blind eye to it. It's a new era now. We've had these weeks off. I'm now all for PED usage. Um, and I'm not saying Pacquiao is a cheat, but if he is, he ought to up his dosage 10 times and get in there with Spence. Speaking of cheats, um, that's Science of Sport podcast. I, I listened to the cheating episode. Yeah. And lots of people got in touch beforehand when I said to them about listening to, when well, I mentioned listening to the drugs episode I can't remember yep. the episode title was but the drugs episode uh, regarding PEDs if you haven't listened to the subsequent episodes of that go and listen to the cheat episode because that is brilliant as well it goes they go into all kinds of different examples of cheating and uh, both yours and Terry's examples get mentioned don't they they but do one of them, I love the fact that one of them was about a marathon runner who had a twin, twin brother and they ran into, oh, a, ran into a toilet and his twin brother ran out and it was only a journalist that saw that they were wearing different watches, that <laughs> different coloured watches. Yeah, it was the photos, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the photos afterwards yeah, where the was watches like, were on different wrists. Oh, was it wrist, different wrists? I yeah. thought it said different coloured no, watches. No, it was different wrists. One had it on the left, one had it on the right. Ah, that's mad, that is. But I love the fact that so they've gone... A minute, you start off that race and you watched on the other wrist, and he's gone. Okay, you've got me. I've got a twin brother. Like, go, fuck! I just changed oh, my mind. a rash on yeah, my left. Exactly. <laughs> How did they get to there? Like, and his brother's like, I, I, I knew I should have been the one taking the bloody questions. You, you fold, you fold like a well-worn piece of origami paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so. We have covered Spence Porter, we've carried the, uh, covered the Royal Albert Hall on Friday. Now, to turn our attention to some big, big announcements, some big, big fights coming up. Big, big, big fights. Nigel Benz getting back oh. in the ring versus Beaker. Sakio Beaker. Um, do you know what? Can I go for a piss before we kick on with this? Because this is going to take up a lot of energy. You can, but what I'll do is I will freeze time so that no one will actually notice we've gone. And just like that, we're back. Where do we go? 
nowhere. I just said to you, I just made the gesture to tie a knot in it, and then we just crack on. Job done. Um, so <clears throat> let us move on then to the Nigel Ben versus B. What is it? What was his first name? Sakio. Sakio Beaker. Um, beautiful, beautiful fight. That's what the crowd have been asking for. The fans have been screaming for Nigel Ben to get in the ring. They've seen Conor Ben fight. It's a throwback to the old days, the good old days. Nigel Ben. They're like, whatever even happened to Nigel Ben? Some people said he retired. Other people said, what's the point of that? Get he back retired twenty-two years too early. <laughs> he needs to make that comeback. Now you know what's going to happen, don't you? Chris Eubank. He's coming back. We'll, we'll touch on that. We'll touch oh, on that. Oh, no. Man. Right. So, the natural and obvious question to ask you is that how the frigging bean sacks has Nigel Ben got a boxing license? Great question. <laughs> it's not because for me. Don't, don't ask me that. Ask the people at Bieber. So, this isn't licensed by the British Boxing Board of Control. No. So... So what? what happened was, apparently, uh, Nigel Benn had a discussion with um, maybe Robert Smith at the British Box Board, may have been someone else, like six months ago, and discussed the concept of coming back, to which I think Robert Smith had made it quite clear, look, what Nigel, you're 55 years old, you haven't boxed in 22 years, this isn't for you, this sport isn't for you anymore, which I think most of us out there can understand. Yeah. Now, don't let that be a concern to the British and Irish Boxing Authority, otherwise known as Bieber. Like, fucking, here's the paperwork, lad. Let's go. Let's go. So, let's make it clear at the start, right at the start. Nobody can lay any blame at the door of Nigel Benn here. I think... For what? For wanting to get back and fight. Like, he's clearly fighting other things throughout his life. I think he's he said himself that he's had drug addictions, booze addictions, women addictions, all these things. And mm. now he's a far more religious man, based over in Australia. Um kind of changed life. But I think he's had he's had more fights probably outside of the ring than he's had inside of the but ring. But does that are you saying therefore that Nigel Ben isn't responsible for his own actions? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I can't blame him for still having that desire to get into a ring because I think he's an ex-army man you know as an ex-army man there's there's probably something within most people who have ever joined the forces that look if it kicks off I'm willing to get in there I know you've got a temper that if something ever kicked off with you slander you wouldn't be adverse to getting involved <laughs> and throwing that now nobody believes you Take that element, throw in the boxing element for Nigel Benn. Throw in the fact that he's been training seemingly relentlessly for however long. I don't blame him at 55 years old for still having that desire. They talk about closure. Like, he's saying it's just one last fight. I don't believe that for a second. I think that's bollocks. I'm fairly sure if he won, there would be another. Um, I I don't blame Nigel Benn. Now, whether he's doing this for closure, whether he's doing this for money, whether he's doing this for ego... I'm not sure. Don't know about any of that. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. He's seen his son Connor do it and thinks... The way I'd resolve this, in in my mind, would be for the same reason we don't give, in society, 14-year-olds the choice to have a... or to drink alcohol. 
right, from a legality perspective, is because whether they want to or not, we as a as a as a society have decided that that is not a decision they're capable of making. It's like a, it's a you take it, it away from them. It's a protection for those people. Yep. Now you can't argue that Nigel Ben isn't capable of making decisions that a fourteen-year-old can, but. What you can do is there are lots of scenarios where, for example, when you get to a certain age, you have to do medicals for driving licenses. If you don't pass that medical, you're deemed unfit because you could be a risk to yeah. others as Even well. Even if it's just the eyesight test as you're hitting 75 or whatever. Yeah, and that's not exclusively because you might drive into a family in a Range Rover and kill everyone else. Hi, Prince Philip. <laughs> you might be, it might be... You know, you're injuring yourself. You might drive into a tree or whatever because, you you know, you're not able to see a tree. Yeah, some people need to be protected from themselves. Yeah, exactly. So, to that end... That's this, why you have sanctioning bodies. Yeah, sanctioning bodies are there to stop people from being able to do stupid shit. This is what I don't get. If you if you said... If me, me and you said, right, we're going to we're gonna sanction... We want, we want to see Nigel Benn versus Frank Bruno in a car park. What... What law in this country stops us from starting our own boxing? Literally nothing. There is no <laughs> governance. Doesn't make any sense. There's no governance above the board level. So once you, so then if you, if we say right, if we get all the paperwork for um, a, a, for creating a board, and then what Frank paperwork? Bro- right, whatever it is, <laughs> sign it on that bit of paper over there. So okay, then in that case, why don't we? Why why aren't there murders on a regular basis of just oh yeah we had a boxing match and in my front room it was sanctioned by that bloke over there he's the uh, British Boxing Association. Well, no, so you have um, <laughs> you you have unlicensed is what it's termed um, boxing. So, uh, so what's just, it called? Golden gloves, I think. Um, well, it's rumored that Mitchell Smith, who's you know a fairly potent boxer when he was in shape, he's had a lot of personal issues out of the ring, was going to be fighting Robin Deakin, second mention of the podcast, oddly enough, um, on this Golden Gloves thing, which is unlicensed. There's no board around it. So that's essentially what you're talking about. It's just, we hire out a hall and you don't have to wear head guards. You don't, as long as you're wearing like 14 ounce gloves, we'll put on a show. Are they illegal? Nope. It just feels like a massive loophole. Yeah. So all that Bieber is, is like a formalised version of that, yeah. whereby you say, we are an authority, we are a licensing body, I'm going to send you a licence in the post, you can put it on social media, here's your licence. So for me, unlicensed it just seems like lazy, just create a licensing body. Or cheaper. <laughs> don't bother with the paperwork <laughs> why why bother with the paperwork like you said well, I suppose you can't just say you did it all online I suppose it saves you creating a website yeah true so oh dear wow no. that is a fucking horrible that's like a, a lava filled rabbit hole you don't go far you have to dig too deep before you just get burned. I've got a mate at work who runs a unlicensed show basically um, in Dunstable how often? Once a month or so. Um, if not, slightly more often. Um, but yeah, like the, you'll just get people sign up. You know, like I've done white collar fights. It's like, it sounds to me like, you know, when you see like adverts for local wrestling. Yeah. So like, it's like a white collar fight, but no head guard, no vests. Um, let's just get in there and do it. And so... So nobody... Sorry, I just need to get my head around this. No, <laughs> nobody checks the gloves or anything beforehand. Would that be like 
each changing room, check the others. And... No, no, just, um, the organisers will give you some gloves. <laughs> Mad, isn't it? Seems obvious to say it, but this seems fraught with danger. <laughs> <laughs> they still have doctors turn up. They do have ringside paramedics. <laughs> what kind of fucking shyster doctor turns up to an... Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Nick. Doctor, has this man got concussion? Depends. What do you want him to have? Well, it'd be really helpful if he didn't because he's fight on the next fight. But he's only just four. We make our own rules up here. For 25, he can have concussion. Stamina boxing. For 35, he can have a bleed on the brain. For 40, it's... You know, it's, it's scary. It is. It is. So, right. Nigel Ben, going back, he had a, what do they call it, a shadow on the brain, I think, years back. Not a good thing. When you have a brain scan, there's a shadow showing. I don't think... It's a red I, alert. I, I mean, I'm not a qualified doctor, but I don't think that make, that puts you top of the health tree. No, but what you do is you take 22 years out of the ring... And then oh, everything's yeah. all right again yeah, after yeah. that. I heard actually, he showed on the brain on. 22 years. Yeah. And 21's not okay, but 22. Uh, but 22 and three paracetamol. <laughs> yeah. And you have to be over 54 years old. Otherwise, there'd still be a shadow Fif- there. 55 is absolutely fine. Now look, fuck this. Like, fuck if you're organising it. Um, Bieber, so... Look, Bieber have a propensity to sue people. So... Everything that I say is not aimed at Bieber, but fuck whoever wants to sanction this. It's a disgrace. Because you've got Sakio Bika, who only retired two years ago. Two years ago. And, I mean, I can bring up his record now. Two, 22. What's the difference? Um, I'm uh, born in 1979, so three years older than me. What's that? 38-ish, 39 maybe? Can't work out right now. Um, four years ago, he had a world title shot. Like he was fighting Adonis Stevenson. It's forty, by the way. Just before, I thought to myself, they're not going to know how old you are, but then they're going to go nineteen seventy nine, two thousand nineteen. Ah, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought I'd just say it before someone screams at their MP3 player and then emails us. Alexa, tell them to fuck off. Um. <laughs> Yeah, 2015 he was fighting Adonis Stevenson. 2014 he was fighting Anthony Durrell. Now, Sakio Bika is a horrendous, like horrible head-in fighter. Like, come in and just he'll rub that head in. He's dirty. He's they're doing this in a car park. <laughs> no, up in Birmingham, right oh, in um, the Genting Casino World Casino something or other. What you like? Sounds legit. No, no, it used to be like the NEC or the NIA or whatever it was oh, called. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, it's a legit venue. Ringside tickets. Oh, no. £1,000. £1,000! People will buy it, though. People will buy it. £1,000! That's insane. They're doing it 10 by 3 minute rounds, right? 10 by 3 minute rounds. To put that in context... Let me just short of a... It's a world, yeah. a woman's world title fight is ten by two minute rounds. Like Clarissa Shield, P 
peak of her physical fitness, she's is not, only allowed to do yeah. ten by two. She's not deemed fit enough to be able, or, or like for her own safety. Yeah. That's why they only do ten by twos. If for her own, like for women's own safety, a world title fight is only ten by two because of the impact and how it hits back on the neck and the damage it can cause through the the whiplash. Essentially, is that it hasn't been proven that women have the same strength as men. Yeah, but so she doesn't have like. 30 plus years in the ring and, and a decent rest period like he's been resting <laughs> I mean yeah, the bench, imagine lads. how good Nigel Ben's going to be after a 22 year camp <laughs> <laughs> I mean there is an irony to this that he's probably still younger than Luis Ortiz so, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to give him some some juice but um, it's a, a fucking disgrace an absolute horrendous when is it uh, when, when are we time? going to Birmingham? November time. So, I questioned Bieber on Twitter the other day about this. I tweeted them because this was their statement, right? And I think this was by Bieber Vice President Gianluca De Caro. Ah. You've met Rio before. I have. Uh, da, 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 da. Nigel Ben is in amazing condition. He is a magnificent athlete. He was 22 years ago. Yeah, all right. Show me the evidence now. He is not taking any chances and he is minimizing risk. Right. All the boxes are ticked for us. There will be increased medical supervision and everything will be in place. Right. Increased. Focus on that word because if he's a magnificent athlete, if they're not taking any chances, if you're minimising risk, why have you got to increase the medical supervision? If everything is business as usual, why have you got to increase medical supervision? Just minimising chances, mate. <laughs> Look, it should be a level playing field. Either you're fit to box or you're not. Either you're good to go or you're not. Why would you need increased? It's like saying fucking Nick Blackwell, turn up for a sixth rounder next week, will you, mate? It's fine because we'll put a couple of more paramedics out for well, you. Well, this is what I don't understand. How can you increase, like, we're going to have 15 doctors ringside. If you end up with a bleed on the brain, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand doctors ringside. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand what, what they're going to do. What are they going to do? Big, dig a bigger hole? <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like we're gonna we're gonna bring in an uh, an MRI machine. We're gonna bring it, have it ringside, waiting. Just so again, I I tweeted. Them. And what's minimising risk anyway? Is he wearing a head guard? No. Well, I knew the answer to that. Ten by three. It says yes. You're correct. There will be extended medical coverage as we prefer that. This is from Bieber. Only officials that are head trauma trained will be appointed and neuro and skeletal specialists will be included in the medical oh, team. God, I want to meet Nothing to do with age or fitness, just our policy. So I tweeted them back. So is that extended or standard policy? And they haven't answered. So Bieber, answer the fucking question. Have you extended your policy for the well-being and the safety of Nigel Benn in this fight because it's a 55-year-old who hasn't fought in 22 years or is that your standard policy? Because one way or the other, you've got the wording wrong and you're fucking letting a man go out there who should not be in a ring. Fucking make no mistake about it. should not be in a ring. And it's fine because you're going to put officials that have head trauma training, neuro and skeletal specialists. All being well, Nigel Ben walks out of that ring absolutely fine. That is not through design. That is through accident if that happens. Are you a neural 
and skeleton specialist, or are you just like or skeletal, or are you like? Well, are they? Are they? Is there two? Two people, and one of them is a neuro specialist, and one of them is a skeletal specialist. I can be both if you want. I ain't bothered. No, I'll, I'll, I'll do like, both. Oh my god, look at him! He's on the floor. Quick, get him! Well, I can't help him. I'm a skeleton specialist. What's wrong with his skeleton? I don't know. He's fitting. Oh my god, where's the neural specialist? He's he's working behind the chicken nugget counter. <laughs> he said he was a neural specialist. The fire bonds connected to my wristwatch. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's uh. So look, fuck. There should be rules in place that stop people from being able to put themselves in this position. There are rules in place that stop people from putting themselves. I in I can't position. help but feel like if you were a specialist in any of those areas, you'd be like, uh, this feels like being like a skin specialist at a tattoo parlor, exclusively working on babies. Do you know what I mean? Don't worry, we've got some specialists here, but isn't this just ethically wrong? For like these are people who have taken Hippocratic oaths. Should, are they should they be there to just be like, well, well, you know, what do they say? It's free country. I I don't get it. No, so really I mean, don't get it. Bieber have done some cool things to help boxing. They have. They've introduced medical scanners um, for fights. So the idea is that and they cost like I don't know, say twenty grand. I might be wrong. Um, per not scanner, cheap. they're not cheap. That's the the bottom line of it. So the idea is that before a fight, you can come up and have your head scanned, and when you get out of the ring, you can have your head scanned. Ah, seems good. And so it's looking for additional trauma. You don't get that on a BBBFC, a British Boxing Board of Control fight. You have your once a year brain scan. So look, they are taking additional steps. Once now, I, I've spoken with my brother about this because he's um, he's a pretty fucking well-qualified person within the science of... Concussion. Concussion um, and medical stuff. To qualify that somewhat, I don't really think it needs to be... My brother's a professor. Like, and he was working with the NFL, He still he? works with the NFL on their head guards because of the concussion issues that they've had. They gave out grants around the world. His uh, workplace have got a grant and they're working with the NFL. He's working on 3D printing technologies to try and reduce the number of concussions within the sport. That is basically some of his work. So when I asked him about these scanners... Big dog. He's a big dog. He knows what he's on about. Let me put it that way. He changed his name to Big Dog, didn't he? Yeah, he big did. Dog big Dog Fearbold. <laughs> Dr. Big Dog. <laughs> D-A-W-G. He's like, if he listens to this, he'll be like, they've, they've built me up and then they... Treat me like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I call him Poppadom Chin. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, anyway, sorry. He Let's can't take back. a shot. <laughs> <laughs> when I asked him about it, he said, look, there is a benefit. It's better than doing nothing for a start. It's better than doing nothing. He said, however, like the technology used in those scanners is probably 15 years old. He said, because if you think of what a brain scan is, where you have to go in those big tunnels where you go, I can't remember the term li- for it, the uh, MRIs. Know. Oh, okay. Um, right. That's how you have a brain scan done. Now, if you're saying that I've got a handheld scanner, you're not having the same level of technology as applied to an MRI scan. What you're getting is basically a Game Boy version of it. Right. You're getting 15 years ago technology packaged in a nice little handheld thing. It's still better than nothing, but he said there's the danger that 
A, that technology is outdated, and B, you need to be pretty fucking clever to understand what the results are that come out of that. He said, because you need to have... I think that means everything's okay. Yeah, he said, you're not going to get a yes or no. It's not green or red that it prints off. There will be some pretty hard to interpret data coming out of those things um, that you need some very specialist training in to understand. I'm not saying that Bieber don't have that training, by the way. What I'm saying is that you need to have the training to understand what it is that so you're, hold on. you're looking Bieber for. Bieber used the handheld version. Yes, Bieber used the handheld uh, scanners. Okay. They bought a number of them, which is cool. Great. Well, well done. It's better than nothing. It, that's what this, I say. It's yeah. literally better than nothing. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a solution and that it's going to stop people getting killed in the ring. What they're doing things like that, which are a step forward for the sport. That actually the British Boxing Board aren't yeah. doing that. And then they go and license a 55 year old who hasn't fought in 22 weird, years. You piss on your own reputation. Yeah. You take your wanger out, you spin it round, you take a massive piss all over it. <laughs> that was far too descriptive. Nah, what, a helicopter you in. Spin it whilst you're weeing. Yeah, yeah. So it goes everywhere. That is a mess. Absolutely everywhere. That is a. That's a mess. Um, I think we've spent enough time on this, haven't we? How long we had? Far too long. An hour and 20 minutes. Okay, cool, cool. So let's go. Let's move on then. I would just say enough said about Nigel Ben Beaker in uh, in that it's, it's a travesty of, of a fight being sanctioned. It is. Uh, Canelo versus Kovalev has been announced. Yeah, cool. Like, what a fight. That's cool. So, you know, I think the the British interest in Kovalev has gone back up through the roof after the yard fight. Um, and Canelo's just on this, like, one-man mission to do what the fuck he likes in the sport. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, he's... All right, you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where should I go this week? Let's have Light it. Light heavyweight. <laughs> uh, let's have a go at that, shall Bang. we? Bang. You could just imagine him turn up four inches taller than Kovalev. You're like, what the fuck happened to him? He can't get taller as well, surely. Ah, the beef. Um, no, there are photos of the two of them where like, he's, he's significantly shorter, but he's heavy set, Canelo. Oh, like, yeah. There's a lot about him as a man that you're like, he, he's, a, he's a big fucker. Right, so I just, he used to fight a 155, right? And he used to walk into the ring about 185. 154. Oh, one five four. Sorry, and then he used to walk in about. They reckoned about between one eight and one eighty and one eight five. So yeah. So you'd have thought, therefore, that he could probably fight heavier than that. Like, what's he going to walk in at at this fight? <sighs> probably one eight five. He probably will. And what's Kovalev? What does Kovalev sit at? What when he weighs in or when he Would fights? When he fights, I'd have thought he'd be about one eight five as well. Um. So be the, I don't is, think there'll be a size difference, really. The, do you think he's be the biggest guy that Canelo's fought then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not counting Rocky Fielding, so... Yeah. <laughs> I said fight. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Rocky Fielding's a super middleweight, so... But he's a big motherfucker. He's a big, big man, Rocky Fielding. Probably doesn't weigh dissimilar to Sergei Kovalev when it comes to fight night. So... It would be an interesting fight then, this one. But look, I mean, yeah, he's gone from a light middleweight. He's then captured world titles there. He fought Mayweather. Let's not forget, Mayweather was a welterweight. Now, granted, they met somewhere in the middle, and that was the one time in Canelo's career where he didn't dictate the terms. So he had to come down and meet Mayweather at a catchweight that suited Mayweather. But he's fought a welterweight. 
And now he's fighting a light heavyweight. Yeah, that, that is, is absolutely mad. <laughs> mad. He's not even 30 years old yet, Canelo. He's 29. Like, there is an insanity about his career that I love and I adore. And when you look through all the fighters on his CV, like, he's going to have... By the time he hangs his gloves up, he's going to have a Hall of Fame CV. And don't forget, he became a professional boxer at... 15, maybe 16 years old over in Mexico. Yeah. He's been doing this for like half his life almost nearly and he's not even 30. And he just has a mad CV. Um, you know, he can't you, you be... You hope... A, like, sorry, go on. I saw some mental motherfucker talking about him because Errol Spence mentioned his name the other week and I saw someone tweet saying, oh, he's running from Spence. Like, you don't run from Spence to Kovalev. <laughs> That's like running from a lighter into a burning building. (laughs) I hope he beats Kovalev. I think he will. I think it's a very good time to get your hands on him because Kovalev isn't the Kovalev of old. Um, Although he proved that he's still got the heart and the guts, but he also proved he's susceptible. He got nearly chinned by a novice, basically. I I don't think I'm being out of order by saying that Canelo is levels above Anthony Yard. No, I think that's, that's fair. So, uh, and he also has a lot more experience than Anthony Yard. So therefore, coming into it, you've got to, given that Kovalev at times looked a bit, like you say, he looked a bit shaken by Yard. A bit. He was nearly stopped. Yeah. Like, he was 10 seconds from being knocked yeah. out. So there you go. Then you think... I don't think Canelo's got the ability... If you look at what Canelo's done at middleweight, he hasn't stopped any of the top-level middleweights. I don't see a chance in hell that he stops. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's a bit unfair to necessarily compare like for like for yeah, Yardy. He, he's not going to go through Kovalev. He's not going to batter him and stop him. I'd be massively surprised. Um, would you? Yeah, no, I would. I would. He'd just eat a whole cow beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Come in looking like Butterbean. <laughs> no, I can't see any way that he stops Kovalev. Um, but I do think he beats him. But... Whatever, like, cool. Just give me that all day long. Give me that content. <laughs> Pump it to my veins. Mm. <laughs> it's mad. Absolutely mad. Like, it shouldn't be happening on paper, but it is, and I'm all over it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like when Brooke went up to fight Golovkin, because you went, right, a, a wrecking ball Golovkin, unbeaten Golovkin, smashes his own weight division Golovkin, is taking on Kel Brook who hasn't even proved he's the best in his own weight division. So that, you know, fair play to Brookie did it, but nobody really gave him a chance. Now, Canelo is making that weight jump, two weight divisions, and actually he's already proven he's the best at middleweight. There isn't really anything for him to do at middleweight, other than another Golovkin fight. I don't think we really need that. Super middleweight, yeah, Callum Smith fight would be interesting, but it's not going to sell like a, a Kovalev fight. is because there's, oh, the, yeah. there's the freak show circus element of That's it. That's what nothing we love. Else. Announce, announce Pacquiao-Usyk now. All over it. That's all all over it. See. I want to see Nigel Benn <laughs> in a 20 by 3 minute rounds. Actually, I forgot to ask about the Nigel Benn thing. Wasn't this mooted a, few, a couple of years back or a year back? Yeah, there was talk. There's been talk for ages. We're going to fight Steve Collins. That's Again, right. that was on a Bieber license, so they were going to do that. 
Which actually, I'd have less issue with that because Steve Collins has been out of the ring forever long as well. Sakio Beaker's only been retired for two years. Yeah. Sakio Beaker is Australian based. This is the only caveat I'm going to put under all of that. I forgot to mention it earlier. Sakio Beaker is Australian based, and I'm fairly sure does a lot of training with Nigel Ben. So I think then there will probably be some form of gentleman's agreement that says, look, when the going gets tough, don't don't fucking ice anyone. Like either way around. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if they're mates and you know there's a mutual agreement somewhere. Wouldn't surprise me. What I was saying about it, yeah. roll it back to when KSI Logan Paul, the first one, you had Hearn like Oh, it's not really for me that, you know, two YouTubers, oh, it, it kind of, uh, I couldn't ever get involved in that. That's not really where my heart is. I think that was his words. Not really where my heart is. Roll on KSI Logan Paul number two. I'm going to get them both a professional license. We're going to take it out to America. We're going to do this shit on pay-per-view. As soon as the numbers came in, as soon as the fucking... That's why his heart wasn't in it. <laughs> as soon as the money dropped... And Hearn saw where the earning potential was. Then suddenly his heart was in it. And it was the fact he just loves the, the number two. <laughs> the original fight didn't have two in the title. Well, this one can. Yeah. He's um, passionate about the number two. Yeah. So as soon as, as soon as there was, that's why he's wasted that one billion because it's not two billion. <laughs> <laughs> wasted it. Spent so it he's on, in process of spending on YouTubers. Um, if, through some freak of nature, Ben versus Beaker did a million pay-per-view buys, because they're going to do that on pay-per-view off of some Australian broadcast channel oh, online. If that somehow did a million buys, I would put my mortgage on the fact that we'll get Ben versus Eubank three next year with Hearn's face behind it. Because he came out and he did the... I think it was a second out interview that I saw with him where he was saying, you know, like, oh, I don't agree with it really. Like, what's a, a legend like Nigel Ben doing back in the ring? Like, he shouldn't really go ahead. And people like, yeah, well done, Eddie, for saying it. Well done. No, because if Eddie had the opportunity, if there was enough money, if this generates and... Okay, look, if it generates 10 million, if it profited 5 million, you can guarantee her... Puts on Ben Eubank three next. I've heard year. he's even more passionate about the number three, <laughs> so that would explain. I guarantee it. Um, on the KSI Logan Paul, who is Billy Joe Saunders fighting? Hasn't been announced yet. Um, oh, I love that. I'd TBC. Suspect there's been rumours of Gabe Rosado, which ah oh man, like. Do you think Billy Joe Saunders is going to fight people that we're not interested in watching him fight until he retires? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's going to be interesting. And if not doing that, then just abusing the homeless in Sheffield. Yeah. Either or. Because I feel like... And to be honest, both are equally unentertaining. When, so, when Billy Joe Saunders... Fill your boots. When Billy Joe Saunders fought Eubank and won, at that point, it felt like he could use that springboard to go on and become like a really successful... I, I, Go on to dominate, right? He he could. That's what it felt like was potentially in the making. Ever since that <clears> fight, <throat> I feel like Eubank has done everything to try and maximise his potential. Um, I think his earning potential. Yeah, I yeah. All right, not then. his necessarily his boxing potential. 
He didn't take... The only fight I can remember him not taking that was there was the Golovkin fight. Yeah. But that you could put that down to just... But like, look, at, look at who his best wins are, Eubank. They're shitty, really. Like... I don't mean that to be disrespectful to James DeGale, but there's a reason James DeGale retired after that fight. Because he was shot. Because that was the end of James DeGale. That's yeah. his best win. Yeah, but, is- but even the fights that Eubanks lost, he's been trying. He got involved in, like, George Groves, for example. Yeah. And he's been doing his best to try and, if not, like you say, earning potential maybe, if not, purely boxing potential no I mean again look like Arthur Abraham that he fought at Wembley Arena like and a shot to shit Arthur Abraham there have been better fights available for Eubank whilst these fights are going on credit to him for going up to super middleweight for that world boxing super series but look I'm a a Chris Eubank junior fan so but I still recognise that he's wasted a lot of years of his career not really doing a lot still doing that right now but not as much as Billy Joe Saunders has. I think Billy Joe Saunders probably has twice the natural ability of Chris Eubank Jr. And half as much drive to Seemingly. do whatever. Seemingly. It's such he's a He's back waste. now with Dominic Ingle as well. So, he's, you know, he's with Ingle before, That's where he right. got in that trouble in Sheffield. Then, and then he left him and went to Ben Davison to go and train with Fury. Right. And now Fury and Davison seem to have up sticks and gone to America and seem to kind of permanently reside over there now, it looks like. Or at least during training camps. And now Saunders has gone back to Ingle in Sheffield. There's been a lot of mucking about with trainers in his career, which I think is endemic of, this, of where he's at. But he, he could have used... And I'm not. Sh- I don't know about the politics into it, but from the outside, it looks like he could have used Fury going over there to pin himself to Fury's undercards, could and made a name for himself out there. Mm, could he not? Yeah, but he signed with Matchroom. So was that before Fury went over to America? No, probably not actually. But yeah, right, but to, I mean, he's just not interested. That's what he seems to be. Who, I suppose it comes down to where's the financial interest in Billy Joe Saunders. Now, given that they hired out the, whatever it was, stadium down in Stevenage for his <laughs> WBO World Super Middleweight title against a man I've never heard of before, won't hear of again, and they sold about seven tickets for it. Now, Was it seven or eight? It might be been eight. Oh. I don't know. Oh. We'll call it seven and a half. Sold seven and a half tickets for it. <laughs> Want a reduced rate. I'll buy half a ticket. <laughs> and if I turn up, I turn up. He turned up halfway through, let him in half price. <laughs> Um, you know, financially, Warren has probably sunk an awful lot of money into Billy Joe Saunders' career. Fair play to Warren for doing so. Hearn will probably be the one that benefits at the profitable end of his career because he can make those fights now. You know, he's signed with Matchroom by proxy. He's therefore with DAZN. With DAZN, you've got Golovkin, you've got Danny Jacobs. Uh, you've got Callum Smith. You've got all these people that weren't available beforehand yeah. suddenly are available. There's a fair chance now it's sink or swim time. And I think he can swim. I think there's so much ability there. It's whether the drive's there, whether the passion's there, or, you so, know, have we lost the prime years? Could this... How old is he now? In his 30s yet? Uh, uh, must be. Must be about 30-ish. Well, that, Fury's 30, right? Yeah. I... I don't know what difference that makes, but <laughs> just I did got oh, well, the impression the fact that is it, Billy Joe was younger than him. That was all. 
probably around the same age, right. I would suspect. But the clock's running down at that point. When you hit 30, it's like... So if we're being generous, could this be a tune-up fight before the big guns come yeah, in? Yeah, it will. I'm sure it will be. It's not going to be a legit... You know, it's not going to be a fight that interests many people. I'd be shocked if it was, because... Why would you? You've got KSI versus Logan Paul. That isn't being sold to a boxing public. No. That's being sold to an entertainment public. So do you think we see more of the um, Billy Joe... Uh, what do you call it? Oh, you know, the showboating. The, looking out into the crowd. To try and sit, to try and up some interest from the uh, casual YouTuber audience. Possibly. I mean... I've... Obviously, I scorn on casuals. <laughs> Look, I mean, if... <laughs> if... 10 million people watch it around the world, then 9.9 million of those will be watching it for KSI versus Logan Paul. Yeah. They won't be watching it for whoever ends up on the undercard. And this whole concept of, you know, it's a great opportunity for boxers to broaden their horizon. If you think fans are going to turn on before KSI versus Logan Paul... Like fans of KSI versus, or, or Logan Paul. A majority won't. They will not be turning yeah. on to see the quality of the undercard because they don't fucking care. They'll be yeah. watching KSI and Logan Paul videos on YouTube <laughs> until that fight starts. Yeah. But and I'm just looking forward to when Billy Joe starts up his FIFA reviews video uh, channel. <laughs> channel Uploading his YouTube. best free kicks. <laughs> um. Do you have anything else you want to add to this agenda today? Nah, not really. Shout out Richard Comey. Going to be fighting Tiafima Lopez December the 14th over in New York. I'm going to go to it. Um, yeah, that's a hell of a fight. Man. I love Tiafima Lopez, a fighter. Filthy, horrible-seeming bloke. Who like, But fuck me, he can fight. And Richard Comey, who's just a good man from Ghana. Dude is like legitimately all heart, a good man. He can fight. Go back to those Robert Easter Jr. fights. Like he showed so much in those, and he was so deserving of getting his world title. Now gets the headline at Madison Square Garden in New York. So yeah, we're going out to that. It's gonna be good. Cool. Sounds good. Um, right. Well, that's it then. We done. It's quite a short one for our return. Yeah, well, an hour and f- almost 40 minutes. That'll do, that'll do. Are we going to be more regular now? I don't even know, to be honest. Let's see what a sched- the boxing schedule brings up and our own time schedules. Yeah, well, just to give everyone... Actually, I won't be able to be here next Sunday. Nope, to rule it out. I've got a game next Sunday as well in the morning, so that uh, yeah, ties in all right. Because normally if I've got a game in the morning, it, it ties me up a little bit. But I should be all right for the next... I mean, people don't tune in to hear this, but whatever. They, they're getting it. This is free content. Uh, Do you want to hear any more? I've got a few meetings this week. <laughs> on Tuesday at four o'clock. Yeah. On Wednesday, I've got the dentist. I've got a couple of WebExes as well. Um, hate doing WebExes. But uh, I am I'm at the... Uh, you, you will definitely uh, agree with this. I'm going to watch the NFL in uh, Wembley oh, next Sunday. Fucks. <laughs> You're going to be there till Tuesday. Wanky little sport. Um, Touchdown! But after hut, that, hut. I'm good for the next month. But I'm, the, the the only possible hiccup is the fact that I have now started back on shift work. So yeah, I'm you have, not you? And nights are going to be may interrupt some pod uh, because it's going to 
drastically with again my, people you're really boring people with our schedules here now yeah I know but it just I just want people to know that when we say we're not doing it it's not because we're sat around it's like Martin are you busy scratching your balls no well I am so yeah let's so there, there are some Sundays coming up where I have a football match in the morning and a badminton match in the evening and then a thousand children look after. <laughs> a thousand children. I have an entire refugee camp in my house of children that I look after. But they after. are great dancers. and that's They are great dancers. Um, yeah, and none of them are popping on chinned. So, <laughs> all right, Sam. Anyway, that is enough from us. You may disagree, but you're not getting any more. So, well, unless you want to talk about other agenda items. Whatever non-interest what's the least interesting thing you could think about talking about now the very least yeah. why is it called smart water you know people know what I'm on about here the bottles of smart water mm-hmm. now I, I get that smart is a synonym that you use mm-hmm. to uh, imply that your product is 21st century and so you it started off with the smart car I yep. think that's probably the first one that had it attached yeah. to prefix it yeah I think so um, then you yeah. get smartphones. Yeah. All of these things you can justify in some way as to what the smartness... Why is it called Smart War? Uh, it's you, like Peckham Springs, that, isn't it? Basically, they, they re-infuse water with electrolytes. Fuck, is that the... Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's actually purified by distilling it, which removes all of the electrolytes. <laughs> and then they reintroduce the electrolytes into the water afterwards. You've been Peckham Spring there, mate. <laughs> So yeah, I've got a bottle of this. I'm around at Andy's house. He's giving me a bottle of it. I, I do not, I've never understood why it's called smart water. So what, okay, why is that going to benefit me? Um, because if you just drank distilled water, if, you, if you're trying to use it to hydrate yourself, you need some salt in your body because otherwise osmosis would dehydrate you. I could just put salt in my water. Uh, yeah, but if you put too much salt in your water, then you could also dehydrate yourself. That's what salt water does to you dehydrates you because there's more salt in the water than there is in your body. I'll end up looking like that Tete at Fort de Bois on Friday night. And you become a like wrinkled. a shriveled prune. Yeah. Instead of being the youthful, handsome man that you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, may I just say you look incredibly handsome today and that brings us full circle to the beginning of the pod where... The humble <laughs> cloud got us thinking. Inspired by the water cycle, we vapor distill our spring water... And then add electrolytes to deliver a distinctive, clean, crisp taste. It tastes like water, you bell cheeses. Smart because it's made that way. Suck my dick, man. That is horrendous bullshit. Not as much bullshit as the last three minutes of the pod was. So, look. Only three. <laughs> <laughs> when you ask for our content, <laughs> realise it can get bad. It was it, Lee Crocker. I like Lee Crocker. We saw him down when we were at the Goodwin show the other week. Uh, a shout out because we were accommodated really nicely that night despite the fact I was wankered um, yeah Lee said on Twitter the other week when someone queried why aren't we doing podcasts at the moment he was like oh, I think they've lost their passion for it I was like I, I put something back and I didn't mean it to be offensive to Lee or anything like that and he messaged me it's all cool sorted just to clarify is it because we've lost our passion for doing it it's because our time is sometimes spent elsewhere yeah. and not necessarily for two hours call it three hours with a round trip and all of that to sit in front of a microphone to chat about smart war. Even though there's a massive, massive drive, there's a, there's a big, big audience out there. Big demand. For smart water chat. Right, moving on. Coke Zero. 
Right, that is genuinely enough. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll Goodbye. see you the week after next, hopefully. <laughs>